This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and in for Amy J this morning, the venerable John Cass, johncastnews.com. John, uh, I noticed you just tweeted a, a picture of the two of us. Yes, I, I that you, you took with without my authorization. Because you wanted, I think you wanted money or something to yeah. sell autographs. I'm, I'm like not paying for it. I'm like Pete Rose in this. If you if you come in, you have to buy a piece of memorabilia. I'll sign it, then I'll take a picture. Right. right. Yeah. Like Michael uh, Jordan. Yeah. No, but you know, I I just was looking at this and I, I was struck by how much I am the spitting image of Leo DiCaprio in Blood Diamond. I mean, it's eerie. Don't you think? TIF, this is Africa. <laughs> this is Africa. Uh, all right, uh, jobs numbers you heard on the news are out for the month of July. Not that they mean much. Uh, great news. Uh, fewer jobs created than expected, and uh, fewer people are working. It's going exactly as Jay Powell has planned. Wonderful. Can we just get to the recession fast and get it We're done? Not, there is no recession. There's not going to be any recession. I mean, not for rich people like you. For regular people, it uh, may be some tough sledding in this stagflationary environment. But for we elites, John, you know, we don't have to worry about such things. Well, I think everyone should take the, the grass out of their yards and start growing potatoes because it's going to be a long Ukrainian winter. Well, for nothing else, uh, you know, to combat climate change until the Biden team figures out how to block out the sun. Uh, for more on this, Jim Perry joins us, founder, CIO, Perry International Capital Partners, LLC. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dan and John. Hey, Jim. Uh, uh, so uh, great news, um, uh, job uh, creation uh, lower than expected and the unemployment rate going down, fewer people in the workforce. Things are really tracking nicely. Well, uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the trend of jobs has been fairly steady over the last little bit. Um, the reason the non-farm payroll number is so important every month, Dan, is this is the first real data that we get for the month of uh, July, right? So this is the first month of Q3. So it's kind of the first uh, step toward where we think we're going to be in another couple of months here. And uh, the story really hasn't changed that much. You know, it's it's a stagflationary economy. You know, growth is last print was up 2.4% and inflation is running at 4.8. Right? So, uh, except uh, it's not stagflationary. Uh, well, it's not uh, stagnant in the government sector. I mean, that's what's been driving a lot of the quote unquote job creation is government jobs and fat contracts correct. like AFSME just got here in the state of Illinois. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the trouble with a lot of this data that we get is that, you know, it's all sort of gathered by a different government agency, and a lot of it is surveys and a lot of it's opinions. So it's hard to kind of make a real legitimate judgment on the pace of the economy at any given day or week because uh, the numbers come in. But the non-farm payroll numbers really don't pick up what's happening on the wage side of things. And to your point, you know, government always – is the source of inflation. You know, it's what they do with wages and contracts and money printing. And 
when we and when inflation starts going up, there's only one thing that can happen, and that is that the Fed's got to throw a wet blanket on it. You know, and, and uh, just to be uh, specific, what is going on with wages that you know people actually care about, regular people? Right. Well, again, you know, we get data from a variety of different sources, but if you look at the Fed, right, they have a, a wage tracker. Um, and I, again, I don't know if their numbers are any better than anybody else's, but at least they're consistent, even if they're consistently wrong. But right now, you know, according to the Atlanta Fed, wages are going up at 6%, 6.2%. And, um, uh, that's a lot, you know. I mean, that's wages. Wages are going up faster than inflation right now, and uh, this is what Powell's been talking about for eighteen months. He's worried about it. Well, um, but the, the the flip side, obviously, for those that are uh, deriving uh, wage increases higher than inflation, is their the their purchasing power is no longer being diminished, and um, uh, you know, and, and so so I mean that that's a good, and and it also sort of speaks to a tight job market where employers uh, are having to pay more to secure the workers they need, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, the labor force participation rate is 62.6%. That's, you know, the percentage of people who are eligible to be working ages kind of, you know, 16 to 65. You know, there's there's a gap of 40% of those people. They're not working. So when you've got demand, demand picking up in the service sector um, by people who do have discretionary income, the businesses that cater to that, um, they're they're paying up for wages because they want their businesses to hum, you know? And so uh, given that wages are outpacing inflation and uh, inflation has come down a bit, uh, are we done with rate hikes from the Fed for the rest of the year? Or is, or is it going to hold serve now? Um, interesting question, and it's a million-dollar one. Um, I was asked that question during a series of meetings that I had a couple weeks ago, and um, the trouble with that is that we haven't seen a wage inflation or, or an inflationary trend like this since the 70s. And what scares me about it is that a lot of the commentators and strategists that talk about this stuff say this is nothing like the 70s because we didn't have cost of living adjustments and oil going up and i kind of go well yeah we kind of do you know i mean you look at some of these contracts that are being written for the most uh important sectors of the economy the ones that keep it going you know so you've got you know healthcare professionals nurses and pilots and truck drivers and train operators and longshoremen i mean these guys are getting Two and three and four year contracts that are paying them, you know, pilots are getting 21% a year for the next four years, you know? And that's, these are big numbers. So I think that the sector of the economy that is inflating the most is the service sector of the economy because we're still trying to normalize after this pandemic and we really don't know how strong it's going to be. But my fear is that we're going to be higher for longer in rates. And, you know, you could see a 7% Fed funds rate in another year if this inflation stuff doesn't come down. So who are we going to blame besides uh, Steve the pilot and all these other pilots that I know? The government. <laughs> the government's always a source of uh, inflation, John. I mean, 
you know, it's the amount of liquidity that's in the financial system. You know, the, the budget deficit's going to be $34 trillion by the end of this calendar year, you know, up from kind of 31 and a half. And that's, that's three and a half trillion dollars worth of deficit spending. That's, that's inflationary, you know? That's, then you uh, look on top of it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it's, you know, uh, Uncle Milty, right? It, uh, yeah. is, it is always a monetary phenomenon, inflation. Um, and well, that's right. and speaking of that, and speaking of the uh, the debt we're piling up that uh, you were just detailing, uh, and all the funny money still sloshing around, uh, the one thing that could rattle the market apparently we found it this week when Fitch downgraded America's debt. That's the one thing that could uh, give anybody uh, on the, in the exchanges some pause. It seems. Yeah, I mean that's right. I I, I found it kind of ironic, you know. I mean. We've known about deficit spending for you know 20 years, and the amount of outstanding government debt that we have, and even corporate debt and household debt, has been rising steadily. Um, and then you get sort of this blowback from all these sort of minders in, in, in Washington saying, oh, we can't believe that Fitch did this. And you know, in the short term, going from a AAA to a AA really isn't going to affect things that much. But in the long term, you know, this is just another notch in the belt that says – the bond market, you know, back in back in '94, when when Hillary Clinton tried to push the per, the first health care bill through, the bond vigilantes came out and said, you know, you guys got to stop your spending. And we saw this in the UK, you know, last summer. So at some point here, the bond market's going to say, hey, you guys, you know, you can't keep spending money you don't have because um, it's inflationary and it's going to slow the economy and it's going to hurt the average household in this country. So I think it's a good thing that. There was a shot across the bow. In the short term, I don't think it's really going to affect the the, the, the dollar and, and interest rates that much. But accumulatively, you know, the idea that inflation is not coming down right now and rates have to go up to kind of thwart it to get this labor market back in balance, you know, eventually that's going to impact demand and, and equity prices. Well, I mean, the the Fitch rating downgrade is so interesting because, you know, these rating agencies are usually captured by those they rate. And this is why they were uh, a little slow on the uptake with the housing bubble bursting back 15 years ago. Right. Um, right. And, 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 and it, it's so interesting, especially being in Illinois, where you have the highest unfunded uh, pension liabilities in the country. And we're spending, uh, I don't know, uh, about the same percentage of our budget uh, on interest on debt or unfunded liabilities, the same as the federal government is now. I mean, it's a trillion dollars of interest payments right. on the debt, but 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 they can print money at the Fed level, so I guess it's a little bit better for them. And, and you know, nobody really seems to, to care if they print money because they don't connect, for example, the last uh, year and a half to the policy choices that were made in the previous two and a half years. Right, right. I mean, you know, the dollar gets it first, right? And, and the dollar's still been fairly strong. And the reason for that is, you know, on an international trade basis, it's really about the euro and the yen. And luckily for us, you know, Europe and, and Japan have worse fiscal situations than we do. Um, what does make it more problematic is that our numbers are just so much bigger. You know, I mean, people forget you know, $34 trillion. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a thousand billion right is a trillion that's people kind of lose sight of what you know what does 34 trillion mean it's like you know we don't have enough 
output in this economy to pay this money back. And eventually, um, things will have to kind of get real. Um, I don't know how long that takes. Um, I don't think it's now. I think the economy is still going to grow this year. And I think it's still going to inflate this year. And I think that that means that the average household is still going to be behind the inflation wave, you know. But you're still going to see uh, positive market returns you, uh, for the for the rest of this calendar year, you expect? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, if you look at the S&P 500 as kind of the most liquid benchmark for global risk, you know, we had a high print in the S&P 500 in January of 2022, right? And right now, we're only 6% below that level after this really strong first half of the year here. Um, that's expensive. Um, and if some of these companies start getting some price pressures too, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, food prices are going up again. Um, I just saw this morning that some of these uh, container ship rates are starting to go back up again. And everybody knows that gasoline prices are going up again. So if you start getting another push on, on higher prices of, of inputs, right, for, for the American economy, um, you're going to see a profit margin slow down at the S&P 500 level. So I think that's what we have to be watching for. We have to be very, very vigilant on that. Um, just looking at Fortune 500, I, I took a notice of this op-ed by some functionary at BlackRock, one of Larry Fink's henchmen, about uh, how they're giving investors a say these days since they've gotten so much pushback on ESG. Now they're uh, at, at least uh, pretending to be responsive to that and offer some changes in proxy voting um, such that, uh, you know, as, as the, the top line suggests, we're going to give investors a say. We're not to trying to mandate anything, force feed anything. Um, what's your take on BlackRock and Vanguard? What this, uh, uh, even if it's sort of uh, titular uh, in, 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 you know, it's, it's a reform that's in name only, um, even right. if, if even if that's what this is, which is what I suspect it is, what does that say about uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and their stranglehold on so much of uh, corporate America? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, unhealthy. Um, I would I would take a step back and say one thing first. You know, there's a lot of narrative out there, Dan, that you know when you talk about the environment and the ESG investments, and, and, you know, a lot of people feel good about that. They buy an electric car and they kind of put their, you know, garbage in the right spot and all that sort of stuff. And I do too. Everybody does. Uh, but, you know, and that makes you feel good and that's, that's good for the economy and the environment and everything. But the point is that, you know, ESG investments really are non-economic. You know, I think it's a good marketing tool for BlackRock and Vanguard. Um, but if you look at the ESG investments that people have made, a lot of money is flowing into it, but the returns are awful. So if you're in the investment business, I would stay away from it. And if you want to make the world a better place, you know, join a nonprofit and, and help people that need some help, you know. But don't try to think that you're somehow going to save the world by investing in something that BlackRock says m makes you feel better. Jim Perry is the founder and CIO of Perry International Capital Partners. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Have a good weekend. You too. And Thanks. he joined us on the Turnkey.Provincial line. Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Cable news. Noisy, out of touch, on repeat. 
Tired of all the lookalikes? So are we. Salem News Channel is here to change the game. Streaming 24-7, free on your TV, with the greatest collection of conservative voices. Home to Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Like you, we say what's wrong and what's right. Unfiltered and unapologetic. 